When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Dude, the Rhino might be back, bro. Football. My man. Dude. He's back. You did it. Ten-year NFL veteran. Started at guard in a Super Bowl. I mean, that is as trenches as you can get. Starting at guard in a Super Bowl. He's been a three-year contributor here on Score North and Purple Daily. Alex Boone, the Rhino, former Viking. You loved it so much in your one year playing for Mike Zimmer in Minnesota that you decided, I'm going to live here. My family and I are just going to live here forever. Just going to be Minnesotans now. Mm -hmm. Dude, we're never leaving. I swear to God. I love it. Did you add six new tattoos, by the way, since the last time we, we saw you? None yet. But is there a flame more... coming up from your chest? What's happening there? Oh no, that's the chief, dude. Where okay, there he goes. It's beautiful. Yes, I know, right? It's insane. pretty awesome. <sighs> Just what what you don't remember the nights you're drinking, right? <laughs> Wake up the next morning, <laughs> like what the hell is that? Do I, is there a flame on my hamstring? Hey, what is happening? <laughs> my ribs. I woke up and I was like, seriously, who let me go? Who let me go in the middle of the night? <laughs> like, dude, we tried to stop you. So we bad. removed three ribs and added four tattoos. It's uh, 14 it's... hours later. I'm sobering <laughs> up in the chair. Uh, Boone's back. Trenches with Boone. Uh, you yes. want to call it trench warfare. We don't have enough yes. room on the on the title, but uh, we're in the trenches every week with our guy Alex Boone here on Purple now we Daily. Are. Now we are. We're ready to go. Let's let's do it. And and we're going to get into I know our audience has been pining for your takes all off season. And we keep telling them the truth, which is you are a businessman now. Uh, you are training some of the uh, the brightest, highest upside offensive linemen in the country, and we're gonna we'll we'll get into that and kind of what you're doing uh, behind the scenes. But Kevin O'Connell is going into his first ever NFL game as a head coach here this weekend against the Packers, and I think so. We definitely talked to you, like the Harbaugh stuff was was gold. I think a lot of people yeah. actually discovered our show through oh. Alex Boone's talking about Jim Harbaugh. Let's check out that episode. Yeah. And then uh, and then we got your initial thoughts right after the hire of Kevin O'Connell. Uh, but you've been able to sit here now for like seven or eight months and yeah. observe. I know you've got tons of connections in the league. So I just want to kick it over to you and get your thoughts on the Kevin O'Connell hire now that you've been able to sort of observe from afar the first offseason. What are you hearing? What are you what are you seeing? And what can what can fans expect from from KOC? Dude, I'm so stoked. And I remember last year when we were talking about this, I was like, dude, if there was a guy they could get, it should be him just because of what he could do offensively. I'm not going to lie. I may have snuck into that joint practice because I played for both those teams. So I was kind of like, hey, listen, I'm just going to be a fly on the wall. And 
it did not disappoint. I mean, you talk about some of the things offensively, and then you talk to the guys and, you know, talking to some of the guys, mostly defensive now that I think about it, they were like, dude, it is so different. They were like, wait until you see how amazing this is going to be. And I was like, dude, you have all the players on your roster. You've had so many great players on this roster. You just have been stuck in this pro-style offense for years. There's nothing wrong with the pro-style offense. There's a lot of teams that will benefit from it. But this is one of those teams that's like, okay, once we get enough skill on the outside and we get a real running back and we show up with some tight ends, we got to start messing with people. Like at some point, the defense should be running in circles. Like we don't know what's going to happen next. And we're not sure what formation they're going to come out with, but we don't even know what we're doing. Like this is, you look at the Rams and what they did last year and what Kevin was able to do. And you talk about the Sean McVay offense and how everybody loves it. And it's because it's done this thing where he spreads out these defenses, but not only that, he's interchanging all these players all over the field. So all of a sudden in this four by one, the slot becomes Cooper cup. And now you look at that Jefferson Jefferson, 10 plays later, you look at Cooper's Cups on the on the four by one. He's on the one side. So you're looking at this like now you're really making a defense figure out what are you going to do? Are you going to double him? Are you going to single him? Are you putting a safety over the top? Because if you do, we have Adam Thielen, Irv Smith Jr. over here. Like there's just so many mismatches. And then you talk about the ability of the roster because the roster to me is such a mismatch. When you talk about guys like Justin Jefferson who are so amazing and talented at what they can do and they can do so many amazing things like play different positions. Like to me, he's one of these guys that I feel like we're going to see this explosive offense but Justin's going to have so much to do with it you know what I'm saying it's going to be like this Debo feeling but at the same time you don't have to put all the pressure that Debo has you know it's like Debo knows he's the whole team whereas like Justin we could use you as the whole team or we could use the threat of you as the whole team you know and we could keep lining you up all over the field and then how is the defense going to react and while they're looking at you we still have feeling over here and oh by the way Delvin Cook in the backfield I mean it's just there's so much fun to do with it and it was actually kind of funny because I was talking to CJ Ham, and I don't know if he's going to get mad at me for telling the story. I hope he doesn't. The fact that you're talking to a fullback at a at a joint practice gets Are you, you kidding me? Okay, that's about as football as you can get right there. I get to this joint practice, and you know me, I am like a kid on Christmas morning. I'm all over the place, right? I'm also, like, dude, of, uh, what I love about you is of of all the different names that you could have dropped, and all the people that you've talked to, you're so football. How oh, football are you? Yeah, you're gonna drop. See, you're gonna drop the fullback's name first. That's Dude, how. Sure. That's how football you are. That's the first person I wanted to see, right? And it was great seeing everybody. But when I was talking to CJ, he was like, "Dude, this offense is gonna be amazing." He was like, "I just, I don't know if they have a place for me." I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> I'm you're a fullback CJ in 2022." <laughs> no, no, you're the hamster, dude. Ham sandwich? Are you kidding me? Without that guy, these plays don't run. I was so excited to see that he got named captain because it was funny because I was with Jeremiah Searles at the time. Me and Searles look at each other. We're like, dude, you're the hamster. They're not going to cut you. And then as soon as he made captain, I called Searles right away. And I was like, dude, tell me you saw that CJ made captain. I was so excited. I mean, just talk about one of the guys that just goes out there and gives it all up for the team. And the fact that they kept him in this, because you know this offense doesn't really use a fullback. But it's going to be fun because now that they did, it starts to make my mind wander to, like, how many different types of offenses could you play out of this offense? You know what I'm saying? Like, you could go to a spread quickly or you could go to a 22 personnel quickly. And then all of a sudden you're coming around and you're spreading them back out and you're running reverses and you're running, you know, all these swing routes and all these crazy things. Like, it's just it's going to be so exciting because I feel like there is no limit because of the personnel that they have on offense. So and, and here's the amazing thing. So the, the personnel on offense isn't really that different from last year. The biggest difference is you're swapping out one of the worst 
And I'm and I'm going off of some eye test, amateur eye test, but also when it comes to interior offensive line play, I lean a little bit more on pro football focus. And now that we have you, I can just lean on you. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I would rank the things I'm going to lean on now for interior offensive line play. Alex Boone, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, a little bit of uh, advanced analytics here and then my amateur eye test. But by pretty much any measurement, Ole Udo struggled. He wasn't a natural guard. He struggled last year. And Ed Ingram, the second round pick out of LSU, just what he's 22 years old, and he just he wins the job like a week and a half into training camp, basically. Uh, other than that, the offensive line is pretty much coming back intact. Just but but you but now you got Darisaw a year older, Ezra Cleveland's young a year older. You got pretty much the same skill position players. Irv Smith comes back, and you didn't have him huge. last year. Yeah. So you actually you actually probably have better just a better situation offensively, but. They ranked 14th in in offensive scoring last year, which I always felt like to me that was the most fireable thing. We can talk, and we'll get into the Terrence Newman comments on Mike Zimmer. It's like, all right, whatever you think of Kirk Cousins, and I've certainly been hard on Kirk Cousins. He's one of the 13 or 14 best quarterbacks in the world. He's very accurate. You can you can do some things with Kirk Cousins. You got one of the three best wide receivers. And then you got Adam Thielen is one of the best red zone targets. KJ Osborne is number three. Dalvin Cook's one of the three best running backs. Right. You know, offensive line struggled, but. How are you 14th in scoring? And that was like, like B8. So I think my my biggest expectation this year, and you can tell me how, how it's going to get done, is I want this to be a top 10 scoring. There's no reason why they can't be flirting with being a top five, top seven scoring offense. Is that is that oh, fair? Absolutely. I This is one of the, if you look at this roster, honestly, there are some question marks up front still that need to be answered. But other than that, on the outside in the backfield, and even Kirk, like I feel like Kevin signing him, and we had talked about this, was that he had coached Kirk in Washington. So having mm-hmm. known Kirk, that familiarity of like, hey, listen, we've done this before, dude, and we've had some fun. Let's go back and do this. I mean, I'm going to be honest, and I'm not this guy, and you know I'm not. But Kirk did seem a lot lighter at practice, like running around, bouncing around, seeming a little more excited. The guys were like, dude, he seems a lot more excited. It seems a lot more cool around here. Like yeah. maybe this is the year where he starts to blow up a little bit. and He will be the biggest to benefit from all of this. When you start spreading out teams, you create options quickly, right? And that's what he wants. Give me something quick. Because if something's coming at me, I want to get rid of the ball. But if, there, if I have time, dude, I'll air it out like anybody else. And now, we saw last year what happens when he gets hit a couple times. And that's the biggest question mark is like, can he get over that hurdle for me? Because there are going to be a few games where you're going to get peppered a little bit. And can you continue to run this offense through you? Does it have to run through Dalvin? Because to me, the biggest, the biggest advantage of Kevin coming, and I don't know why I feel like this, is Irv Smith Jr. I don't know why. Like these mismatches that he creates with his schemes and his formations, but then you look at the ability to put Irv kind of, from what I've heard, a lot of places. And it's like, dude, if you can have a tight end that's big and strong and you can create a mismatch with just him and then you look on the other side and there's Justin Jefferson and next to him is Adam Thielen and then next to him is KJ Osborne, like – you're looking at a defense that's kind of like, hey, listen, maybe we don't need to pressure as much. Maybe we need to sit back on our heels a little bit much more, which basically affects Kirk. Like if you can create these mismatches in the outside game and you can stop a defense from coming after your quarterback and more so they just have to sit back and figure it out. Where's everybody running? What's everybody trying to do? It's going to make it a lot easier for him. And it's going to take a little bit of pressure off the old line too, I think. And I think the one thing too is when you do spread them out, you can still run the ball. You have this phenomenal running back who's great at zone running. 
And that's what a lot of shotgun is, is zone, right? RPOs, quick things. Here, you come this way. The whole line's just running. We got the whole defense spread out anyways. Maybe they're in a nickel package. Like, that's another thing was the mismatch of the, you know, their 11 could really be somebody else's, like, 13 or 12. You know what I'm saying? Because you so 11, just, 11 for 11 the casuals. 11 is running back, tight end, three receivers. One running back, one tight end. And then you would have – and, yeah, the receivers are never numbered. So one – the one and the one mean one running back, one tight end. 12, one running back, two tight ends. That's why I'm saying like – and when you talk about those personnel, like a 12 would be somebody's base, right? They got two tight ends in, one running back. They're probably going to run the ball. You look at this team on the other hand and you're like, wait a minute, what do we count Irv Smith as? Like they could easily run a play action out of this against our base and just wipe us out. Or maybe mm-hmm. we go to base and they spread us out. And all of a sudden we got a Mike linebacker in the middle who has no idea what the middle of the field looks like ever. You know what I'm saying? And he's covering a guy like Irv. Or maybe you put Justin Jefferson. This was the thing I saw in the playoffs last year was they kept trying to put Cooper Cup in these places that linebackers were. Like mm-hmm. the one game they had him in the in the second slot position. So then all of a sudden the linebacker was over the first slot. So then in the second game he put him to the first slot. And you're like – they're moving them around to try and find these mismatches from the defense. And then not only that, but the personnel's a mismatch. It, it becomes a very fun game if you stick to the script. You know what I'm saying? Don't go super crazy throwing double, triple passes. Like, that's my biggest thing is when these new coaches come in, they sometimes try to show you how creative they are. Look at me. Like, because everyone's going to always say he comes from the Sean McVay tree and it's Sean McVay's offense and that's his baby. So somebody always has to kind of put their fingerprints on it. Like, this is why it's mine. And you see these crazy stupid plays and you're like dude just run a reverse like they're throwing triple pass reverses to the left tackle and you're like what do you do just play you know? the hits man just, right just, just, just play do the what hits. you do best baby <laughs> spread them out throw that post route make it simple and laugh later do your silly stuff at practice the, the kirk thing is is so interesting because the, there's there's a couple things that that were said earlier this offseason one by kevin o'connell and then one by kirk that maybe kind of raise an eyebrow and say, "Oh, that's okay. That's in, something to make note of." Mm-hmm. I think it was it was Kevin's introductory press conference, and somebody asked him about, "Hey, you know, you've worked with Kirk in the past," and there was even some uncertainty at the time because I don't I don't think Kirk had agreed to an extension yet. So there was kind of some uncertainty over whether KOC would even want to keep Kirk around, and then eventually they right. agreed to a two year contract. But somebody asked him a question about, you know, how do you what do you see in Kirk, and then how do you maximize him? And he said. He said a bunch of things, and he's good at kind of saying a lot of things without saying anything. But but he said, it's my job to help Kirk play with a quiet mind. And if you look at Kirk, like you look at the, the back of the football card numbers, and he throws for 4,000 yards every year, and he throws for you know, 28, 30 touchdowns, and the, you know, his, he's got one of the best passer ratings of all time. Right. But his individual performance doesn't translate to team wins like other quarterbacks historically that put up the same numbers. And I've always wondered... Why? Why? Why is that? There's got to be something within the numbers. If you dig a little bit deeper, you know he's he's great first read. The analytics would tell you that once you have to get more improvisational or get to your second third read, it's harder for him because he you know he just he's very mechanical and robotic and he can't keep a play alive. And then there's right. you know if you look inside like the last four minutes of the fourth quarter overtime, he's not as good in his career as some of the top quarterbacks. So getting him to play with a quiet mind to me is a really interesting way to look at. The, like the the little nuances that he can potentially improve. And then on the cousin side, he was asked about, I think he threw in, 
I think it was like during OTAs or mini camps. And I can't remember what happened in the practice, but one of the reporters asked him about, you know, how are things coming along, whatever. And he said, well, there was a play in practice where, you know, there was a first read that I immediately checked off of and threw to my second read. And Kevin O'Connell came over right after the play and said, hey, if you get that look in that situation, I want you to throw that first read. And, and Kirk said, oh, okay, because – like in my career, that is not a pl- a pass that I would make. I would, and I'm I'm reading between the lines, but I think that's Kirk's way of saying I would deem that to be too tight of a look. I don't want to risk throwing an interception. And Kevin O'Connell is giving him permission to throw tighter window passes, right. in, especially if Justin Jefferson's the the target. I would guess. Right. And so, like that whole dynamic of KOC trying to get Kirk to play with a more quiet mind and give him permission to maybe like Stafford led the league in picks last year. And they think, but they maximized the peak of their offense, and they won a freaking Super Bowl, right? So, right. like, all of that is fascinating to me, right? And it kind of goes back to the thing that, like, we've talked about before. Like, as long as you're out there giving it everything you have, if you throw an interception, nobody on the team's going to be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Like, dude, all right, you try to throw a tight window throw. I'm sure a lot of quarterbacks would have tried that. It didn't work. Now, if you just continuously go out there and do that, yeah, guys are going to get pissed. But I think that, like you said, he's given more rain now to like listen. If you think you have the ability to throw that, just throw it, dude. If it goes the other way, we'll figure it out on defense. But for the most part, that's why this offense is so fun is because it is kind of risky. It's like this, hey, we're going to spread them out and we're just going to throw it all around. And, yeah, maybe something bad's going to happen, but our defense will figure it out. Now, their defense at the Rams had Aaron Donald, Von Miller, all those guys last year. But you look at what he's doing here. He's basically like, listen, dude, you've probably been sheltered your whole life here. They've probably been like handcuffed you to a wall and been like, don't move. And now I'm telling you, you can run around any room you want, have fun, make a mistake. Like if you're if you're out there playing super tight all the time, you're just going to naturally do bad things because you're not out there having fun. Football is such a fun game that when you're out there like, dude, listen, guys, we're going to do this. You're like, bro, just <laughs> let it happen organically. OK, if you're just going to try and force everything, everything's going to go wrong for everybody. Yeah, that's actually that's a good segue. We should. You want to get into these Terrence Newman comments here? <laughs> are, you record, for, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the Terrence Newman comments? Does yes, yes. I mean, uh, you, you played. <laughs> you played for Mike Zimmer. I'm actually kind of shocked that. I mean, Terrence Terrence Newman is a Zimmer guy. You know, yeah, he, he was he played for, for like Zimmer. 50 years. And he coached for Zimmer. He was basically a coach on the field for Zimmer too. But to be fair, Terrence played 22 years. He was one of those guys that he just didn't take anything. I, and I don't care who you were, what you were, like you had to respect a guy that had been there for 20 years. And not only that, but was still a starter and was playing at a, like a very high level. I'm not going to say he was an elite caliber player, but he was really good for us. And he was a great role model. So like when guys, when, when the old guys come out and say things, it doesn't really shock me because those are the same guys that were kind of vocal during all these bad times. And I look back and I'm like, yeah, T New was there with us. Like, what is going on? So Dude, when you he, say things now, I love it. He, yeah, so he, and there, so there's an article and Judd and I did our own dive into this a couple days ago on, on Purple Daily, but I mean, you've been in the room for, you played for Mike Zimmer and yeah. he butted heads with a lot of people. I mean, you've been honest on this show. You guys didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but uh, Terrence Newman was the only one to go on the record for this, but there was also a former Zimmer coordinator and some other players and coaches that went that just gave background quotes on this. But I'm just going to read you a few things. This is courtesy of uh, Tyler Dunn's Go Long Substack page. It became toxic, Terrence Newman said, of the Mike Zimmer 
culture, it was a trickle effect. If players are dreading getting cussed out, it's going to make it a long day for everybody. Newman also said countless players dreaded going to work in those final years with Zimmer because the fun had been drained out of the organization. One former assistant predicts, quote, immediate success under Kevin O'Connell just based on the culture change alone. A couple other nuggets here. Um, Mike Zimmer's misery became the energy in the building. Mike Zimmer at one point when it was suggested by the local media that the Vikings need to clean house, he went ballistic behind the scenes. Bleep it, fire me, he sniped. I'll collect a check and go live on my ranch, which was kind of what he's doing right now, actually. Um, nonetheless, outbursts were common in coaching meetings with Zimmer. One assistant thought Zimmer appeared unstable. And then uh, there's this. This is back to Terrence Newman on the record here. He said he was never in a good mood. People sense that stuff. You come in, you have an attitude. What the bleep are you mad about? Here's this dude over here playing with a bum knee, giving it everything he's got. Could have sat out, but he said, you know what? I want to be there for my boys. I want to go out. I want to push myself. I want to do what I can for my team. And then this guy's over here, Zimmer, grumpy about possibly getting fired and still making however much money he's going to make next year because he's got a guaranteed contract. Tell me how that's fair. So there, I mean, there's a million other things in here that, and they also said that there's a, a, an ex-coach said that Zimmer hated Cousins, wouldn't talk to him. It was all bad. We all kind of knew that, but um, oh, that's crazy. I mean, the, that, this is what the Vikings are banking on, that all of this is gone. You've cut this out, and here comes Kevin O'Connell with a big, did the chiseled jawline and the big right. smile, and he's going to bring smile. everyone together. I mean, what do you when you hear that stuff from Newman? What, how does it sit with you? I mean, I want to be honest, and I always am with you. I think I was the first one to say this years ago. Like, I, and everybody was like, "Oh, you're just upset." I was like, "No, really. This was the weirdest, weirdest team I was ever on, and it all facilitated from the top down." And it was like, "What? What? Am I really going to work again today? I gotta go." Like, and it was funny because I remember one time the guys were like, "Dude, not only is it just so miserable, but we never see the sun anymore." Because you know, in December, you got to be there at like five thirty, and you don't get done until like. 8 30 so by the time you yeah. go in it's pitch black when you leave it's pitch black and there were no windows in the facility oh. so you're like wait a minute I, this is winter park right this yeah, is the old yeah yeah, yeah. Oh my so God, like dude. for like a week i was like wait a minute i haven't seen the sun in a week god i mean that's making me more miserable and i i would just get yelled at for something that somebody else did and i was like no that's definitely not what it is but man i, know I mean it would i mean and, and people are gonna say well you, but you guys make millions of dollars just you know if it's you don't really have problems. You're make, making millions of dollars. Well, you know it what? doesn't That's mean that it's not hard baloney. to go to work. That's such baloney because you know what? If Brian or Josh got cussed out at the water cooler the way I got cussed out in front of my teammates, they would have cried. Do you know how I know? Because I've seen people like just be scolded or even like criticized for something that maybe they were rightfully criticized for, and they throw a tiff. Now I want you to picture you're in front of your best friends. I mean, your boys. And this dude comes out of nowhere just cussing you out, and you're broken in half, and you just got to sit there and be like, you're right, coach. I'm a total pussy. I should have totally fallen on that grenade. I was definitely not acting like a man when that happened. And you're just eating all this, and your friends are like, dude, are you going to say something? No. Got to eat it. Got to eat all this. And then you eventually – you just eat so much of it that you're numb to so much of it that you're like, dude, whatever. Like, you have the coaches that come to you and they tell you the truth, and they're like, hey, man, this is this is getting crazy. I know, but let's let's fight the good fight. And you're like, well, what do you think I'm doing here? What do you think I'm literally sitting in this room, first one to show up today, 
I'm not just going through the motions anymore. I'm here to do this. And it, it was it was crazy. And honestly, I think Terrence is a great guy. I really do. I think that when you talk to him, he was probably one of the smartest NFL players I've ever talked to. Like he just understood a lot of things. He was very calm all the time, never really got upset. But at the same time, like I saw him get upset after that Green Bay game. Remember that? When like Oh yeah. Was that the that, mutiny that, game? Yeah. And like it was and I was dude, I was walking in the locker room and he was like going nuts. And I was like, dude, I've been here for like a year and I've never seen you say a bad word. What is going on? And he told me what happened. And I was like, dude, you gonna handle that? He was like, You're damn right, I'm gonna handle it. I was like, yeah. 20 years in the league you can do whatever you want buddy like you can say throw anything get so away what was, so those guys were i can't remember the story that the secondary was essentially just calling their own yeah like stuff. we were supposed to be man-to-man on uh what was it on uh Demonte adams and they were saying that everybody was going rogue but everybody was like dude we weren't going rogue what happened was they kept pushing Devonte all the way to the other side and so then we were kind of like are we going with them are we switching what are we doing and so there was confusion on the defense and they were trying to get it figured out and then before they could get it figured out they'd hit us for a couple plays and uh and then you know at the end zimmer was like you know the mutiny nobody's listening whatever and those guys were like dude that's not a, and everybody was like that's not at all what happened like you know booney we would never like, dude, nobody goes out here to lose a game. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. you're out here to, like, you got to really try to do that. I think, like, to me, that I'm so fascinated by Terrence Newman being the one to go on the record. Because, number one, you rarely get most articles, because there's always articles like this that's like, here's an inside look at why something is failing. And it's like 10 people that don't want to put their name on something. Right. And the fact that Terrence Newman put his name on it is very telling. And the fact that Terrence Newman's not, he's not exactly, you know, a, a Gen Z millennial aged player. Cause, cause one of the narratives might be these players are, and we talked about this, right? Brian O'Neill came out and I love Brian O'Neill, but he came out wow. after Zimmer got fired and he was like, I mean, it'd be nice if uh, the coaches would look you in the eye and say hi in the hallway. And like, that's that. such a classic sort of millennial right. Gen Z thing. I just yeah. want to be loved. Just, just love will me. somebody love me. But Terrence, me. Terrence Newman isn't, I mean, he is an old dog in the, in the NFL sense and, and, and the, the fact that guys like him are even saying, yeah, uh, I don't mind being coached hard, but this was a different level right. than is productive, right? He's and you're the wrong. same way, dude. Like, you you don't, you get cussed out. You don't care. But even, like, you and Terrence Newman are sort of saying, ah, this is a little, this doesn't feel Not, right. It was just all the backhanded stuff that we saw all the time that it was like, listen, if you want to start a fight, you can start a fight with me. I'll eat your words. It doesn't really bother me that much. But when you start a fight with the guy next to me, he can't handle that fight. Like, honestly, coaches my whole life have been great. They just cut right into you. They tell you the truth, and then it's over. And it's normally like, okay, I got it. But some kids now, they just can't take it. And so he would be going off on the young kids, and I'd be like, listen, this kid's seriously going to jump off a bridge. Can you just (laughs) shut up? He knows he's screwing up badly. Do you know why he knows? Because he's playing next to me. I'm telling him every single play. If he doesn't figure this out, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill you on the field. Like, I would say that to guys. Like, if you don't pull your head out of your ass, I will kill you. <laughs> I will murder you on the 50-yard line. I'm not killing because you eat your, eat your heart. We practiced this all week. What is going so wrong right now? Is it the 75,000 people around? Just blank it out, dude. It's just you and me chilling here, right? And then you'd get a guy in a really, really good place because, you know – I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty good at stroking some guys about trying to get them up for a game. And then like a Friday would happen. And then just, boom, I'd be like, oh, my God. 
all the work that me and Tony did all week to get this guy ready to go is just wiped away by one simple comment. Mm. Comment was not needed. But that was like the old, you can coach me hard and that's okay. But sometimes when you go too hard, it's like, okay, you're going to ruin this kid this week. Like, there was a game that he made a comment about the old line and it was like, he was like, we're going to kill these guys. Our linebackers are better. Our running backs are better. Our quarterbacks better. Our old line is not better, but we're going to be okay. And I was like, wow, that's going to sting in five minutes. And then like the minute we break down, right, the old line breaks it down and you just looked at Tony's face and it was like beat red and everybody was just so pissed. And we ended up losing that game. And I was like, you know what, dude, how do you fight that battle? So this wasn't like this wasn't public to the media. This was just at practice. You said, yeah, right? Remember, this was a this was a Wednesday practice before a Thursday game that we had to fly to, and he had made that comment, and I was like, "I'm not kidding." Tony and I were like, we talked for like an hour, and he was like, "Well, there goes that week." And I was like, "Tony, I don't, I don't know how you come back from that." Like I was like, "Can I say something? Are you gonna say something?" And he was like, "Oh no, I'm, I'm definitely gonna say something." I was like, okay, because I'm going to go have to go back in this room right now and explain what just happened right now. Because all the guys were like, dude, what is what is that about? It's like, listen, you know, head guy, he's just trying to motivate us. He's trying to get everybody excited. And there's that's not cool. I'm like, ah, no, it's not. It, it, you... it always kind of felt like from the outside looking in that there it, some of those comments and, and hell, dude, he, he, he would make those comments. Remember, I think it was after the the second Packers game last year and Kellen Mond had to come in for like three snaps and he wasn't very good. Yeah. He was a train wreck. It was three snaps, but it was not good. Right. Yeah, but he, you know, he's your third string quarterback. Kirk had COVID and then like Mannion got dinged or something. And here's yeah, Mond just out there. Right. And after the game, you know, somebody asked about Mond and, and he, and I don't remember the exact quotes, but it was like Zimmer just absolutely threw Mond under the bus. Cause he yeah, was speaking from emotion. Right. He wasn't thinking, all right, I, here's how I feel, but I need to put some space between that because all eyes are on me right now. Right. What do I need to say publicly to keep Kellen Mond's confidence high? And right. that thought doesn't like that filter didn't exist. And sometimes it's probably it's great for guys like me who are just like, wow. No, it's great for D coordinators who are not <laughs> in front of the press all the time and don't have to stand in front of the team and can just stand there in front of a defense and just cuss those dudes out because they're built even more different than we are. Like their whole thing is chaos, train wrecks, screaming, violence. Ours is more like hey, we have a mission to do and it has to be violent along the way. But there are times where you become soft and smooth and you have to do, we have to work with things. And when you're a D coordinator, like as soon as I got here, I guess I really wasn't thinking at all because I was like, I didn't know what to expect coming in. But when I met him, I was instantly like, oh, he's just like every other D coordinator I've met. Like, I don't know how this is going to go because I started thinking about me and Vic Fangio. And I love Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio is one of the greatest guys, but we always just fought each other. Like, we'd always just go back and forth and give each other a lot. I just call him Dick Fangio, and he gets so mad. I <laughs> you know, right? Like, the things I would say to these guys. But he was such a great guy, but like he's always like, you know, you got to be tougher. And you're like, God, such a defensive guy. Whereas offensive coaches are like, oh, what a bunch of girls. Let's go out here and get them. And, and you're just like, dude, do I want this to lead me? And I remember we shook hands, and, we, and he must have looked me up at Don, and he was like, not what I expected. Walked away and I was like, oh, wow, man, dude, this is what? not going to be a good storyline. Yeah, no, me and Rick were great, though. I loved Rick. He was Rick was the man. You know, Rick's from Massillon and I'm from Ohio. So I know about the Spielmans, obviously. We 
dominate Maslin now, but um, Rick was great, man. He was super chill all the time. And he was always the one that was like, listen, we got to do something. I'm like, I know, Rick, we're trying. We just signed a guy yesterday and he's starting. Okay, calm down. We're trying as much as we can physically do right now. I mean, Rick, I was kind of shocked that they, you know, just looking back, I thought Zimmer was gone for sure. And I thought, I thought once, once both of those guys were gone, I was like, wow, I'd love to love to know what that Wilf conversation was like. Cause I, apparently Rick thought going in that morning that the Wilfs and him were going to fire Zimmer. And then it turned into like the end of the departed movie where everyone, like everyone's got a gun and it's like, no, you get out of the elevator. Oh, we're not for the day. Wait a minute. Why are we getting guns pointed at like us? Holding guns. Um, and now he's been doing a bunch of media. He's got a TikTok account now. I saw he's that. Doing oh, stuff God. for like Fox he's Sports. Such a goober. Oh, the Vikings just wiped out uh, like 75% of his 2021 draft class. Like all those third round picks were cut. Kellen bad. Mond, Wyatt Davis, and stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, it was a 15 year run for him in the front office. And he'll probably, if he Pretty wants good. another job somewhere, he'll, he'll get another oh, job. I'm sure he could get a job. But. I mean, he was a great dude. Rick was cool. Never had any issues with him. He was, he drove that old Jeep, that 79 Jeep. I actually saw him probably six months ago at the gas station. And uh, it was, it was pretty weird seeing each other at first, but I, I purposely pulled into the gas station. So if Rick, if you're listening, I purposely saw you and pulled in and pulled up next to him and got up to him. I was pouring <laughs> gas, gave him a big hug from behind. He was like, who the hell is touching me? And I was like, dude, it's so good to see you. And we talked a little bit and He's such a great guy, man. I really. I How many him. buttons did he have undone on his shirt that day? Was Dude, he... he had no sleeves on, right? Just, <laughs> just I showing mean, the guns. Ripped off, <laughs> eating beef jerky, just being a total dude, just like he always was. Great guy. That sounds sounds about right. Yeah. Um, just one on on this just on the Zimmer, Kevin O'Connell thing. Knowing all the things now that we know about the Mike Zimmer era coming to kind of a a, a crash and burn finish. Where is the line? What? I guess here's my question for you. What is what is a great NFL head coach in 2022? I, I do think it tends to lean offense because yeah. just how, how complicated offenses have become, how hard it is to, to keep up with what you're seeing with a Mahomes offense or a Brady offense. I mean, the longer these quarterbacks play, too, the, like, the, the average offense bar keeps going up and up and up. And so I think if you're not pouring hours and hours of energy into that side of the football, you're behind. And if you're not pouring hours and hours of energy into that relationship with the guy that makes $30 million and is touching the football in every play. So from my amateur view, like I almost think if you're not an offensive guy, you're so you have to be such a great leader and, and just hirer of assistant coaches. I mean, John Harbaugh wasn't, he was a special teams coordinator and, but he's done such a brilliant job of adapting. Right. Right. It's not a bad idea. That's why I'm always wondering why there's not more special teams coaches that are head coaches. Because if you think about it, like the minute the head coach is an offensive guy, you know he's running the offense and the defensive coordinator is just running the defense. But what I love about Harbaugh is, number one, they've always been really good. And two, he just kind of lets both sides delegate to themselves. Like, listen, Giro, you take over here. And who's Wink Martindale? Is he still there? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, I think Wink's still there. Actually, they might have fired him. (laughs) I think they did, actually. And I'm not sure who they brought in. But he's basically like, listen, you run your teams and I'll run my team. Right. And he's one of the best, I think. I think that when you hear about guys that talk about how much they love their coaches, John Harbaugh's name comes up a lot. Like he, they're like, dude, Harbaugh's Harb a cool dude. He, he just lets you do your thing. He lets Giro run the offense. He loves run the defense. He just stays out everything. 
By the way, Mike cool. Mike McDonald is the new Ravens defensive coordinator. Is he from Michigan? Uh, let's see here. He he's from Dayton, Ohio. He went. Did he just to, come from coaching Michigan? He went to Defiance College. Mm. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so he's clearly not that important. I don't I don't really know what his background is. Uh, he was actually he was he was with Baltimore uh, for six seasons as their linebackers coach. So I think they just elevated him. Oh, there you go. I don't know where he was before 2014. But uh but yeah, I but but what so what what makes a great head coach? What does Kevin O'Connell need to need to do to make this work? I, dude, honestly, it's not hard to be a good head coach. You just got to respect everybody. Respect everybody that walks into that building, understand that everybody has a role on that team and just make sure everybody does their role. Like some of the greatest coaches I ever had never really had to coach us. They were kind of like, what do you need me for? Aren't you grown enough to figure this out? Like, yeah. Why are you tattling? Aren't you like 30 years old? Figure it out, dude. But like, okay, okay, don't get mad at me. Like, I thought you wanted to know these things. No, police yourselves. I'm giving you the accountability to do it. And if this so they're just they're empowering people. Dude, not only that, but they just hold you responsible. When things go wrong, they look at you like, what, what happened? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know is not an acceptable excuse. You're going to have to give me a real reason why you didn't figure out that the nickelback was coming off the edge. Like, give me a real reason. And they t- they do this in front of everybody. But then when you do good things, they bring it up too. They're like, hey, look at this great block. Look at this awesome block by CJ Ham. You know, they just keep you accountable on both sides. When you're playing really well, they lift your ship up, man. The, the tide is just coming in. But when you do something bad, they hold you accountable in front of everybody. But they keep everybody the same. It's not like one guy's held above everybody or three guys get treated differently. Everybody gets treated the same. If you want to mess up, you'll get punished. If you want to do good things, you'll get praised. It's it's pretty simple. But the minute that guys, and this is what's so funny, people don't realize, is like, I think it's the fact that you're around so many coaches and you're around so many players that you just start to understand and you get the vibe and the feel of everybody. And the minute you just think that a coach is treating somebody differently, you're kind of like, nope, I'm out. I get that this guy's the quarterback. I get that he makes the most money, but I don't get why he's getting treated any better than any of us. We all put in the same amount of work. We all put in the same amount of time. Anything, that dude's not even getting hit anymore. Yeah. Well, why is he getting, you know what I'm saying? But the minute that the coach is still like grinding on the quarterback, you're like, man, he's not even taking it easy on the guy making $50 million. Okay, that's, this dude really is going to come after me. But the problem is, it's not really a problem. It's funny because the minute you see them go after the top guy, you know that you are not anywhere safe. Because if the top guy's getting yelled at, everybody all the way down is going to get it. And sometimes the best coaches I saw would yell at other coaches. And when they didn't see the other coaches keeping the toe in the line, they'd be like, hold on, I got to call this guy out. And now you'd be like, wait a minute, did he just call out a coach? Oh, Nobody is safe. Yeah. Nobody's safe here. And that's when you're like, man, this guy's really watching everything. Okay, this cool. A, I got, I got you, dude. Psychopath. Totally. Um, I want to throw three kind of rapid fire. I mean, you can take as long as you want to answer, but three kind of quick, quick hitting questions from the last like eight months that I think people want want your take on here. Let's let's start with this one. Since the last time we had you on uh, weekly appearances, the Vikings agreed to two more ironclad years of Kirk Cousins. So he, no tr- no trade clause. He is the Vikings quarterback unless he doesn't want to be anymore through this year and next year. Good or bad move? I'm indifferent about it. I mean, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say bad move. Okay. I don't. I don't know. You know how he's, I feel about this. He's he's just kind of. Well, you know how I feel. I mean, my God, I'm, I'm the number one Kirk hater. 
No, no I, I just, mean, I just hold the Vikings to a high standard, and I think exactly. that he, he is, to to uh, to me, through his comments and through things I have heard about him, he is the ultimate. I just work here, guy. Not that he doesn't work hard, but he is the ultimate. I just work here, guy. Listen, yeah. I just want to just tell me what you want from me. I'm just one of the guys. Like, wait. You're not just one of the guys, though. You are the quarterback of the team. And so I've often wanted more from him in situations. Which I agree with, and I think that's fair. But my biggest thing is you have proven nothing so far. And so at this point, it's like, hey, we've gone 10 years of nothing. Is the next two good or bad? It's like, well, if the 10 before weren't good, I don't know why I'm – I mean – and I see why Kevin Cumming is a huge uplift. And, yes, I believe in that. But – until I see it, I gotta be, you know, I'm not gonna believe it. I'm this is his best chance, right? Like this he this he, is he has a better chance, chance now than with Zimmer, who basically didn't want to than you yeah. ever do. And but my I'm just saying off the football that I've known and all the football that I've ever watched in my life, it's like if you see somebody making plays and you're like, Wow, that guy's really good, and you put players around him, you're like, Well, dangerous things are gonna happen. But when you're watching a guy that's like, Why is he not making these plays? Why can he not just do this? Or why can he not just take the reins? Why can he not just Go rogue and be like, "Hey, we're out. I'm I'm in charge now. The headset broke. Let's figure this out." Like, yeah. I'm with you. Like until until you show me, you I just don't believe it. I'm sorry. The timeout thing from last year that we talked about it was it was one game and it was one moment and people you were making too big a deal of this. It's like, dude, a 33 year old starting quarterback that makes 30 million dollars a year after the game said, "I mean, I don't." Mike Zimmer call, calls the timeouts, and so you know, I just. It's like, no, no. (laughs) To be fair, that was with Zimmer. And, yeah, Kevin could uplift everything. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm going to say the season's bad because I actually think the season's going to go very well. But until I see it, I need need to be proven that it's going to happen because it's like everybody right now looks really, really good. Everybody's team looks – rosters are like, wow, man, look at this. And you're like, yeah. But then all of a sudden something happens on Wednesday, the the first week, and the team all of a sudden is missing their safety and all of a sudden the paper doesn't look so good or somebody gets exposed or, hey, these guys that don't play a lot in preseason actually get out there and they're like, man, this is real work. or You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's different. Yeah, things look really, really good for the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell's probably the best hire they could have had. Everybody's super juiced. I know because they talked to half the team and they're like, dude, it's super fun. Super, mm-hmm. super fun. And I'm like, this is great. But until you go out there and do it, guys, I don't believe it. I don't believe anybody's going to be good. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm trying to balance. They might not get off to a roaring start because everything's new. No, they Starters should. didn't play preseason games. You think you they should? should. Get- you should destroy the Packers. They just lost their number one receiver. They just lost their guy. And not only that, you just took away their defensive end on the other side. And he's fully healthy now. And then you still you bring back Daniil Hunter, who, by the way, he gave me a hug. And I don't know how this kid got bigger. I mean, he's so big. Like I, I was like, dude, did you get like thirty pounds bigger? And he was like, right. I was like, oh my god, he's so dude, big. him. And, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that oh that Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter were the two best pass rushers in the NFL. Like three yeah. years ago, those guys. I mean, they were like on the Mount Rushmore of current NFL pass rushers for sure. And but now they, you put them on the if, same team. Mm. Stop it. Stop. Yeah. It. And then Kendricks, he looks so good in the middle still. Just watching him track people down, it's always so fun. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Looks good. Rapid fire question number two here. So, you, the Jim Harbaugh thing was that it was basically Jim Harbaugh or Kevin O'Connell, kind of at the Mm -hmm. at the at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you gave us so much great information on Jim Harbaugh, having played for him, played in the Super Bowl, etc. 
nine months later, the Vikings passed on Jim Harbaugh for Kevin O'Connell. Mm-hmm. You think that'll turn out to be the right decision? Yeah. Okay. I think they made a great decision. I think I'm telling we said it back then. I think Kevin would be a great hire. I think what mm-hmm. he brings to this offense scheme wise, schematically, like what he can do. And not only that, but he's this, like we've said, young, good looking dude who's out here running around, having fun, smiling. Like finally people are like, man, it's okay to smile again. It's okay to be excited to come to work. <laughs> That's what you want. And I think I was reading an article that somebody was like, if no other reason than the fact that this guy's just so positive, this team is going to be better than last year. But it's so true. Just because when you have these new faces around and everyone's patting you on the back and everybody's excited, you're like, I'm just naturally excited too. And then even the guys that don't even talk become excited. And it's like, dude, we got to win at least 10 games this year, right? Like if if some of us just get pissed off enough, we can go out here and mess up enough people, right? We'll do it. We'll figure it out. We play the Bears twice. You know, the Lions should be a little bit better, but they get the the Jets and the Giants at home. You know, there's there's some wins on this. By the way, I haven't been 11 and six. See? 11, am I crazy? No, I mean, I, a lot of it really depends on, for me, if, I, if I'm if i being totally transparent, is this first game. You're going to go out against Green Bay, who's lost their number one receiver, right? They're kind of looking at themselves like, hey, Aaron's still going to get us where we need to go, right? Like, he can put the ball wherever he needs to be, right? And now all of a sudden you're kind of like, I don't know anymore. Let's see what they do. And if the Vikings come out and they just smear the Packers, I would say look out. Because that's sometimes momentum in this league can take you so far, right? Like you go out and you you beat a divisional foe, a big game, and all of a sudden Kevin's kind of riding this wave and everyone's on this wave. It's hard to stop teams like that just because in their minds they're like, dude, look what we just did. Right. Nobody thought we should probably come out here and play this well. And we did. Wow. And we're just we're just starting to hit this thing. Now we can continue to build on this. It's just it's really tough. And I've seen teams where they're they'll tell you in the scouting report, like these guys have won the last six games. They're coming in freaking hot. And you're like, yeah, it's going to be a haymaker. Here we go. You know, they're coming in. And that to me is exciting. But at the same time, they have to go out and do it. You have to show up and. I know more than anybody how sometimes you get in the middle of a game and you just feel the swing of momentum for whatever reason. And you're like, this is just not going to end well for anybody. And it does. It's it's one of those things where you could take the positivity alone and you could just ride the course of it and have everybody excited for this first game. You come out, you smash the Packers in the first week. You just let everything else fall into place. And like you can you can feel great in the offseason, mini camp, OTAs, training camp. Everyone's healthy. It's great. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell changed the culture. But you do – to validate it against the if 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 you validate it and you beat them you know thirty one to twenty or something, then imagine just how much better everyone feels. Wow, right. all the all the all the things we felt just translated to a big win in week one, and the right. power of that with fifty three guys in the locker room, I would think, is pretty intense. Right. Look at all the work we did; it just came to fruition against one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks. In the, like, gosh, look what we just did. I know that everybody was kind of like one toe in secretly. Everybody's kind of like one toe in, like maybe we'll see what's going to happen. But the minute you go out there and you just throw that first hate maker, everybody's going to be like, all right, jump in. And then, like I said, if you get that first win week one, it's going to validate a lot of things and people are going to be excited. The problem becomes if you don't get that win week one, then what happens? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why this could go either way, in my opinion. And then you get the Eagles Monday Night Football on the road in week two. So, yeah, there's there's some couple dicey games right. pretty you early in the schedule. You fall into a little trap, and you're kind of like, oh, man, it's just the Lions. And then all of a sudden you forget Dan Campbell's crazy. Like, oh, guys, 
eat somebody at halftime. I don't know what's going to happen. The guy's going to eat a eat a left guard's calf at halftime. <laughs> you know. By the way, I should mention to the audience here, uh, and you see it on the bottom of the screen if you're watching on the YouTube channel, that Vikings Ventline post-game edition is back this Sunday. It is the most fan-friendly, interactive post-game show on the planet. And for a long time, it was a, it was a radio call-in show. And, and uh, as of two years ago, and again this season, it is exclusive to the Purple Daily YouTube channel. So we bring fans into the show with us. It's all about you guys, and uh, you've helped make it. One of the most popular shows, I think, uh, of, of any NFL team. So thank you guys for, uh, for helping us grow Purple Daily and Vikings Ventline. And don't forget to subscribe to the Purple Daily YouTube channel so you can be part of Vikings Ventline on Sundays. Uh, tell the audience, Booney, what have you been up to this offseason? You're, yeah. you're, you, you launched a new company. You're training yeah. offensive linemen. Brutal line, dude. It's, it's incredible. So um, the new Vikings facility out in Egan. Uh, TCO built it for them. And TCO has a, the training house is their workout gym. And I partnered with them and they built us a gym. And so now we're right over in Egan at Vikings, uh, Vikings lakes. And it's dude, it's insane. It's so fun. We get to work with these kids. Now there's a uh, Cordell Volson left guard at Cincinnati. There's a uh, Lewis kid who's down at the saints right now. It's Sam Schluter, uh, Zach Johnson, Dude, it's so fun. And then just getting to work with co- colleges all over and talk to these old line coaches, trying to get to kind of come in and talk to these kids. Because, dude, the one thing I noticed, and there's a lot of people that noticed, and when I went to that joint practice, I talked to, like, a lot of the executives about, you know, what are we doing? What are you up to? And I was talking to them, and they were like, dude, you <laughs> you know, don't you? I was like, yeah, dude, I was in the room with them. I used to listen to these guys talk, and I was concerned about what they were learning in college and what they're learning in high school and who's coaching these guys and what they don't understand about simple things. Like just understanding the game has changed. Kids have changed. Believe me. I know I'm coaching a fifth grade team. And like from last year to this year, I'm like, okay, first of all, what is with the egos? Oh my God. Right. (laughs) They all have agents now, NIL money. It's ridiculous. These kids are rolling their eyes and I'm like losing my mind. Me and the assistant coaches are just like, you know what? Let's just Indian run after practice. Let's just go. Everybody go ahead. Hit it. It just keep rolling your eyes all day. You can just continue to roll your eyes. But it's true. These the, everything is changing, right? And a lot of it, I think, is because of the way these kids are getting treated in high school. They're instantly all over the TV. They're instantly in this five star, and then you throw this NIL money deal on top of it, dude. I'm telling you, this is not going to end well for these kids. They don't handle criticism well. They don't understand the techniques. And then I talk to the coaches, and they're like, dude, we're only limited by so much time, and we have 150 kids on this college team. Like, we can only coach so much so fast. So that's when Jeremiah and I were like, listen, we need to start hitting these kids sooner. So we opened up Brood Development, and we basically train O linemen, and we take seniors are going in the draft and we have draft classes and we bring them in and we train them and then they get drafted and they go into the NFL. And realistically what I wanted to do was get more into the colleges and start working with them. And that's what we're going to be doing soon is going around to different colleges and seeing some of them. Dude, I didn't realize how many friends I made along the way and how many of these guys I've played with or, you know, talking to one of my old coaches, who's the Alabama O-line coach. And I'm like, dude, Wolford, are you down in Alabama? He's like, dude, I'm the online coach down here. I was like, dude, that's incredible. Man. Like, this, but these coaches are just like, dude, it's it's all the same thing. These kids are, you get on them and they're like, I want to transfer. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just going to leave. Dude, the portal and the NIL money is going to make college football so difficult for everybody. It's going to be, I mean, think about it. Yeah, do you want to do this? If you're Nick Saban, do you really want to do this for another 10 years? Just put up with all this, man. No. You don't. But the problem is these kids, then they go to the NFL and these NFL coaches have zero patience because, dude, 
we have games to win. This isn't like college where it's like, hey, man, we can be here for five years. This is like you have one game. And if you mess that up, we're going to fire you before week two. Yeah. And if you you don't get to choose your NFL team, no. they, they choose you. Correct. And then you're locked in for either four or five seasons. You don't get right. to transfer if things aren't going well. Right? right. Exactly. And that's the one thing that I think a lot of these kids don't understand is like, listen, you're going to have to adapt. That's what we all had to do. That's how we figured it out. Like if you got a tough coach, you just became a tough player. If you got a soft coach, you had to become a tough player on your own. Like you had to just figure it out, guys. And these guys are kind of like, figure it out. What do you mean figure it out? <laughs> I mean, I was it was so funny because I was talking to Tony Pachos. And he was like, dude, I saw him at the joint practices. And I don't know why Tony was there, but I love Tony Pachos to death. He was the only guy when I came in that actually was like one of these guys that was like, if I think it, I'm going to say it. And I don't care who you are. True story. Roger Goodell walks into the room. Oh, God. I'm a, I'm a rookie. This oh, is pre-strike, not strike, uh, lockout. He's like, guys, listen. And all of a sudden, I'm in the second to last row. Tony Pachos used to sit behind me. Tony Pachos is 6'9". He was like 360 pounds. They used to call him the big Greek. And so he stands up and he goes, get the beep out of this room. You don't belong here. You wow. don't deserve to be here. You are not welcome. Jesus, Tony, calm down. I'm like, dude, I'm a rookie. I'm like, what is going on right now? That's the commissioner of the NFL. What is going on? And Tony's like, oh, he's a man no. of his word. He's a right, man dude. of his word. Dude, Tony was over. And we were talking about old stories about Coach Furster and stuff. And he was like, man, this is, it's just different, dude. Like when I was a rookie, I had jobs on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And let me tell you what happened if those jobs didn't get done. You got cut. Like they had enough voice to go upstairs and be like, get rid of this dude. Now you're like, hey man, you need to have Chick-fil-A here on Wednesday. They're like, no. You're like, no, you it needs to be here. And they're like, no, nah, dude, I'm not doing it. You're like, dude, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Right? It just and it's well, think about like if you're you know, some of these these kids are gonna and they're not making like ten million dollars in NA, but there's there's a lot of money. If oh, you yeah. make well into the six figures or seven figures. You're not going to class. You know, there's not there's just that, so much entitlement to the, the right. 18, 19 year olds and are, that's the are getting problem too, right? And then all of a sudden, like these kids are gonna be making a ton of money and then expectations are gonna start to rise. And you're like, dude, this kid's 18 years old. I don't mm -hmm. expect him to show up in the middle of the field like Bob Sanders used to with the Colts, right? Like he's 18, he barely knows how to drive a car, yet he's making more money than my mom makes. She's the director of an OR in Cleveland. Like, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. These kids are supposed to go to school. They're supposed to enjoy this. And then all of a sudden they're supposed to go to the pros and then they're supposed to learn and figure it out from there. But now it's like everything's just being given to them. And then they go to the pros and they're like, dude, what is wrong? Dude, I was in Arizona. I was in the I was in the offensive line room. And this kid was like talking. And he was like, they're like, listen, when we get in the huddle and this kid's like, what's a huddle? And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Is he for real? And then one of the guys hit me and they're like, dude, they don't even huddle in college anymore. They just they just stare at the, the just weird stare at the sideline the signs on the sideline yeah right and then you get to the NFL and the play call will be like six gun trips right two jet kill three jet alert ninety seven oh, G spot you're like you're and for me it's like you're just filing it in a cabinet okay this is play one could kill to this could go to this might go to this get to the line figuring it all out and then you see these young kids and they're just like what's the play you're like dude. Can't do everything. Well, I, I feel like a lot of 
even even like the check with me thing, and there's a whole other conversation here. But one of the things I watched oh, the, the I went to the right. University of Minnesota. The Gophers are my are my uh, my drug of choice among college football, oh, and they're love, always disappointed. The but the Gophers have a sixth year, uh, fifth year starter, sixth year quarterback in Tanner Morgan. He's basically forty years old, right? I love the dude. and and with seven seconds left on the play clock, he is still having to check with the sideline. Like it's like I. Can we get a little like if he's 19 right. I can see that but can can we can they be a little more self-sustaining at the line of scrimmage or no I guess well, not Well that, and that's the thing that I'm worried about is that the minute you start giving these kids all this money somebody is going to go wait a minute these kids are making as much as some of the rookies in the NFL they should be able to do this on their own they should be able to diagnose a defense and then when they figure out that they can't they're going to be like oh my god they're paying all these kids all this money and then they get to the next level like so many times they would come in and be like hey how do we new mic it? Just, you just ask how to new mic a defense. Is it for real? You just walk to the line oh, and boy. say, new mic, dude. You're like, really? That's it? Well, yeah, you got to give me a number, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amazing. We What we oh. need on new segment idea going forward, football school with Professor Boone, dude. where you, just, you break down for our casual fans, including me, something – and maybe you're breaking it down for college kids that uh, that just don't want to listen. Or yeah. By yeah. the way, I am a huge supporter of Minnesota football. Just want you to know, I was, they have a chance. They, you know, they. It's been like a, a half century since they've been to a Rose Bowl, and Iowa yeah. had trouble scoring. Seven, Iowa didn't score a touchdown against South Dakota State last week. Did you see so that? They they scored seven points and needed two safeties and a field goal to get there. So you should That's be able to beat Iowa you. this year. <laughs> right. Seven. Seven points, two safeties, and a field goal. It was seven to six, right? Uh, it was either seven, seven to three. six or seven to three. I think it was seven well, to three. Well, clearly, you can only be two. Dude, I mean that is uh, it's oh. Iowa. I feel like Iowa looks like that every other season, and they still yeah, wind they up do. beating the Gophers. So no, not um, this year. Tanner Morgan's mm-hmm. going to do it. You watch. I hope this is the year. Ten and two. Ten and two regular season. Go get beat by Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game and back your way into a Rose Bowl against USC or something. Dude, That's all I want. Would you go to it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. 100%. I'll go with um, you. By the way, uh, you guys haven't. I think uh, Brute O-Line has an Instagram account, right? People can search Brute yeah. O-Line if they want to just follow all your shenanigans on Instagram. Yes, they can. Cool. Don't just uh, search it up, man. Yeah. I know. Well, uh, Training house was kind of like, listen, we went through your Instagram, so we're going to let somebody be your filter. (laughs) We're going to eliminate uh, 50% of the F-bombs from They were like, dude, the hashtags are just not, I was like, okay, not not appropriate at all. I don't blame them. They're not. Uh, Well, dude, we're we're pumped to have you back, and uh, we'll get into, I know people want to know your take on the offensive line. Let's let them play a game here, and then you can tell us what you saw from from this offensive line against the Packers. And Let, Let's watch them play four quarters, and then we'll make a real decision about what we – and that's – dude, and tell me that doesn't piss you off with the preseason. Is nobody's playing anymore, and you're like – everyone's like, how do you think they're going to do it? Like, I – It's hard to tell. Yeah. team play. I don't yeah. know. It is hard to tell. I mean, Ole Udo looked good in the preseason last year, so you, you might not even learn anything if they do play. It's also but, easy to look good in five plays when you know you just have to go out sell out for five plays. It's harder when you have to go out for four quarters and then all of a sudden everything's changing around you and you're like, this is different. Yeah, and the situations, that's the thing. Whoops, uh, trigger happy on my uh, button I bar know, here. Right? I think, I think too, it's like 
in these preseason games, I actually like the joint practices better because you can say, all right, we're going to do 10 minutes of two-minute drill here, and you can just simulate something. You know, a preseason game, you're not guaranteed to get any actual situation. You might not get a third and long. You know, you, no. you can't. You don't get to decide, and you're not going to face – you're going to face a, a vanilla defense. They're not going to throw right. anything at you. They're not going to put anything on film. And you know so. what's great, too, is like when you invite the fans, you know those practices are real because mm-hmm. nobody wants to get punked in front of people. So the minute yeah. you start throwing people around there, it's like this just became more than a game. Yeah. Super fun. All right, Booney. Good stuff, dude. Good. Thank you so much. I've, we'll see you next week. This is the second time I've gotten an applause today. I love it. Yeah. Yep, it's our uh, built-in studio audience here. They uh, they love they love when you break it down. They love, they love when you show the guns, the tattoos. Uh, when are we going to get sp- one of those telestrators like that? We can just start going crazy with plays. I'm gonna I'll do some research on that. I think uh, yeah, if you, you can talk to hubby, yeah. if we, <laughs> talk to old Stan, see if you can buy some Stan. rights from the NFL. Um, I'll see what we can what we can put together here. I think people liked when you would even just do like the freeze frame and like draw oh, and write things on the screen. So just give me one game and I'll pull up ten plays that I'm going to be like, look at this. And you, your homework for Sunday is just find like well, four fun plays and then and then I'll figure out how we can. Draw let's make on the it for screen. Monday because Sunday I'm running the Iron Man, and if I survive, I'll do it Monday. Well, yeah. The, well, yeah. You watch the there game whenever you want to watch the game, and then we'll record this on Monday after. There we go. So you're going to do the Iron Man. I'm going to do like a 15 minute Peloton ride on Sunday. So we're both going to be gassed on we're Monday. Be crushing it. Yeah, yeah be bad. Yeah. All right, I'm Phil Mackey. That's Alex Boone, and uh, this is Trenches with Boone, part of the Purple Daily Podcast Network. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring. After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division-favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.